Second Corinthians chapter five. If you got a Bible, turn me to second Corinthians chapter five. Uh, we're continuing our series uh, entitled the giving church, uh, talking about what uh, stewardship looks like, what godly stewardship looks like. That's in fact what we talked about last week, right? To what godly stewardship looks like. Uh, but as a whole, what does it look like to be a good steward of what the Lord is giving has given us? Not just financially, but also right with the gifts and abilities and the talents that he uh, has given us. What does it look like to be a good steward uh, of what we've been given? And Second Corinthians five is where we're going to be today. We'll be focused on verses 14 uh, through 21. But before we dig uh, into the passage, Brother Adam, um, you know, something that I was reminded of, uh, you know, uh, this week, right, uh, something that just randomly came to mind as just a sports nerd, right, was uh, uh, Michael Jordan's Hall of Fame speech, right, the great Michael Jordan, many claim to be the greatest uh, NBA basketball player of all time, right, uh, uh, his Hall of Fame speech, I remember, you know, watching, I've watched it a few different times, right, you know, just the sports nerd that I am, right, I remember watching it. Uh, and listening to it, and, and he goes on for about 25 minutes. I think they give you a certain time limit, but he went, you know, 10, 15 minutes over. And part of that time, he gave thanks to those in his life that impacted him and led him to, to be the person that he was today. But the majority of the time, if you watch it, right, is him basically, right, highlighting uh, the motivators, right, in his life, man, that led to where he was, that, that where he, what he became, uh, that uh, day, right? A Hall of Famer. He highlights all the motivating factors. He had uh, the high school uh, player that ended up taking his spot on varsity in high school there at the Hall of Fame speech and went on to share, hey, man, hey, you motivated me to be where I am today. He highlighted, right, all the coaches, you know, and, and his, you know, the front management, the, the management there at Chicago and the way that they treated him. He highlighted that as motivating factors as to why, uh, uh, motivating factors to light a fire under him uh, as to why that he was where he was today, right? He shared all about all these different factors, man, that led to him being, right, driving to be the best NBA player of all time. Well, well church, we may not be, right, to Hall of Fame basketball players, right? Uh, some may say not, not even close, right? Uh, we may not be Hall of Fame NBA basketball players, but if you're in Christ, what we're getting ready to read shares that we are royal ambassadors for him. The fact of the matter is, hey, we have been saved, right, to serve. We've been saved Right. To live lives sent of God. Right. Uh, being his representation to the world, man, that we belong to him and that, man, he wants them to belong to him as well. The fact is what we're getting ready to look at here in Second Corinthians five is that there are motivating factors. Right. That ought to lead us, man, to live this life on mission as ambassadors for him. And so with that being said, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, starting in verse 14, if you're there, let me know that you're there by saying there. Paul here in the context is speaking about this ministry of reconciliation that was his personally, but also was uh, to be for the Corinthian church as well. And so he continues uh, in his discourse. This is what he says. He says, for the love of Christ controls us. In some uh, Bibles it says compels um, but uh, controls us because we have concluded this, that one has died for all. Therefore, all have 
died and he died for all that those who live might no longer live for themselves, but for him who for their sake died and was raised. Therefore, from now on, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. All this is from God, who through Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That is, in Christ, God was reconciling the world to himself, not counting their trespasses against them and entrusting to us the message of reconciliation. Therefore, we are ambassadors for Christ, God making his appeal through us. We implore you on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. In verse 21, one of my favorite verses in all the scripture, it says this, for our sake, he made him who to be sin, who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Motivators for ministry, motivators for ministry. The reality is, if you're saved here in the house of God, hey, you have been saved to live a set life for him. I heard it said like this before from, you know, the famous theologian may know him, Pastor Derek Smith over at Zango campus. He he said it like this. Hey. We've been given in Christ, we've been given right a message, but also we've been given a ministry. We've been given a message, but also we've been given a ministry. We see here Paul highlight man motivators for ministry. So with that being said, why don't we pray one more time together? And dive into the sermon. Lord God, we do love you. We thank you for your love for us, Lord, as we just read. Lord, we thank you, Lord, that you made him who knew no sin to become sin on our behalf, Lord, so that we may become the righteousness of God, Lord. We thank you. Thank you for that read. I pray now, Lord, that, God, you would continue to meet us here, Lord. Speak to us. Lord, encourage us, Lord, to be folks that live life, not on mission for you. Be folks that God, understand that we have a calling and a ministry. We may not be called a vocational ministry, Lord, but God, you've called us, God, to serve somewhere, to get plugged in somewhere. So, Lord, help us to see that and help us to respond, Lord, by Jumping into that in these days, Lord. We do love you. We thank you. God, we ask these things all in your gracious and heavenly name. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. Motivators for ministry. I believe we see here in 2 Corinthians 5, right, three motivating factors, right, so that Paul gives. Three motivators, Man, for us living life, man, on mission for him, uh, uh, living out this ministerial call that God has given uh, us. We see three uh, motivators uh, for ministry. The first motivator uh, that we see right here in the text, man, it's in that first verse. The first first motivator for us is the 
compelling love of God. Paul says it here. It's uh, the love for the love of Christ that controls us. Uh, uh, folks may ask, so what is Paul talking about there? Is it our love for Christ or is it Christ's love for us? Well, I believe that it's both. Right. Uh, uh, we love because God first loved us is what first John four tells us. And so what Paul is sharing here is this man, uh, the compelling love of God that met me where I was. Man, in the lowest place possible, man, that, that's what motivates me. Man, and to live life on mission, that, that's what motivates me, man, to, to deal with the crud that comes with, man, serving God. That's what motivates me, man, to sacrifice, uh, you know, time and, and, and sacrifice finances, man, to, to build God's kingdom. It's the compelling love of God, right, that he shares there. He shares about this overwhelming love of God, man, that compelled him to live a life of surrender to the Lord, man, Paul understood it. He's got a radical testimony, as you know, man. He was a dude that persecuted Christians, sent sent them to, to die, man. Religious, uh, a zealous uh, person, religious nut, really, if you want to, you know, uh, just keep it real. He, he was wild. Man thought Jesus was some crazy person. But then, man, hey, he met the love of God. He experienced God's grace. And, man, that motivated him to live a life of surrender to him. And in the same way, church, hey, the love of God ought to compel us, man, to live right out the ministerial call that God has placed on our life. The love of God ought to, man, motivate us to be folks, man, that, that live sent out lives, man, sharing the gospel with the lost. The love of God that we experienced when we came to know him. All of us in here, right, if we're saved, man, we've experienced that love of God. I saw a tweet just the other day, right? And it speaks truth. It said something along the lines of this. Man, you hadn't always been a Christian. Just because you've been in the church your whole life, you hadn't always been a Christian. The reality is, man, hey, we're sinners separated from God, man. But when we surrender to him, we, hey, we receive that grace and mercy. Some of you might have been hey, five, six years old. Still, hey, amazing grace. Some of you, it might have just been recently, man. You lived a life, man, hey, doing your own thing, man. Met the Lord and you receive that grace, man. Hey, that love ought to compel us. Here it is, Pastor Greg. Hey, a cattle call from the pulpit ought to to not be the only thing that compels you to do the work that God's called for you to do. Hey, a, 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 a begging of somebody, right, to come and find you ought to not be the only thing, man, that compels you, man. It ought to be the love of God, man, that motivates you and to do the work. John 3, 14 through 16, right? Just a reminder of this love of God. You know this verse. We, a lot of us know John 3, 16, but, uh, you know, many of us may not know verses 14 and 15. Who it says, just as Moses lifted up the snake in the wilderness, so the Son of Man must be lifted up, that everyone who believes may have eternal life in him. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Galatians 3.13, right, says it like this. Christ redeemed us from the curse of the law by becoming a curse for us. For it is written, cursed is everyone who is hanged on a tree. Man, it's the compelling love of God, man. The fact that, man, hey, we didn't measure up to God's standard. The fact that, man, hey, we were no good, dirty, rotten sinners, man. Far from him. But he, hey, he. He decided to make a way for us to come to know him. Man, that ought to be the 
motivating factor. And Paul saw that, man. And it controlled him. Controlled him. Like how one commentary puts it, man. Hey, Paul, man, experienced this love of God, right? And it compelled him. And it's basically this statement. Because of this love I experienced, how how can I not serve him? How can I not live for him? Man, that ought to be the same heart that we have. You say, Pastor Irv, listen, man, you, you telling me that. Hey, I mean, you, you want me to get up here and start preaching now? You, you call me to, you know, full time mission? No, that's not what I'm saying. But hey, the reality is, hey, if you're saved in here, man, God, God has given you a call and a ministry, a place to serve. We got to be careful. And I'm just going to go ahead and throw this in free charge. We got to be careful not to dumb down, right, to uh, the uh, ministry and, and the calling of God to just, hey, you know, a little volunteer rotation every now and again. The reality is, man, we're. we're we're called to own, man, a, a, a ministry, man, to serve, obviously serve with the time that, that we have. But, man, we're, we're called to own and to serve. And Paul understood that the compelling love of God is what motivated him to serve. Secondly, we see here the second motivating factor right, for ministry uh, is this. Not only right, the compelling love of God, but a Christ centered view of people. A Christ-centered view of people. Look back at the text. Make sure you know I'm not making it up. Paul shares, right, uh, about uh, this love of God, right, how he, man, he came and died for all. Man was raised, and then he says in verse 16, there, from now on, therefore, we regard no one according to the flesh. Even though we once regarded Christ according to the flesh, we regard him thus no longer. Man, the second motivating factor, right, is for serving God mission, for living a sent life, man, is to have, man, an accurate view of people. Man, Paul, man, before he came to Christ, man, he had, man, a uh, an inaccurate view of folks. He was a Jewish zealot, man. So he's speaking, sharing his testimony here. He saw, hey, he saw those Gentiles, non-Jewish people. Hey, there's folks that were on the other side of the tracks. Hey, you know, folks that were that were far off. He saw, man, the even the Jewish people, the same ethnicity as him, that had a little less money, that were a little a little more poor off. He saw them as, hey, man, they're not religious enough or righteous enough. He had an inaccurate view. But then, hey, he got blinded by the light. Right. And man, he was ministered to man, raised up to be a disciple of Christ. And man, hey, his view changed. And all of a sudden, he saw people differently. And now he was the one man that was going and ministering right to the Gentiles, the folks that were far off. Say, Pastor, if I didn't know that, he can look through the whole book of Acts. Man, he's ministering hey, to folks near and far, folks in prisons, man, folks that were doing, you know, witchcraft, you know, and, and wizardry, all kinds of stuff. Hey, because, hey, he had uh, an accurate view of people in the same way, church. Hey, we've got to have a crisis interview of people. Here it is. Hey, the difference between a lost person and a saved person is how you view people. The difference between a lost person and a saved person is how you view people. The reality is, right now that we're in Christ, the way that we see people has changed. The the first thing that we see, right, ought, ought to not be, oh, that, that person is a little 
frumpy looking. I, they may have some they may have some issues. Or oh that person, man, he tatted up. Yeah, he he ooh, he he's not from the same area I'm I'm from. Or that person, hey, ooh. Man, they, they lean a different way. I, I don't know if I want to talk to them. Hey, the way that we should view people in Christ, right, for that person that, that's lost, hey, that's a person whom Christ died for, and that's a person, as long as they got breath in their lungs, man, has an opportunity to come to Christ one day. Hey, that, that, that's how we ought to view Folks, hey, that, that lost person that, that's in your neighborhood, that lost person that you work with, even though, man, hey, they may get on your nerves. Hey, e- even though, man, they may be acting foolish. Hey, the way that you view them is, hey, that, that's a person for whom Christ died for, just like me, and person for whom Christ has an opportunity, man, to save. And maybe the Lord's leading me to tell them the good news so that they may come to faith. Hey, the the way that you view people is going to lead to the way that you choose to treat them. Super important. And I'm not just talking about lost people. I'm talking about saved people in the church as well. Hey, our first. I'm just going to keep it 100 today, Pastor Greg. Hey, the way that the first thing that you see somebody met here, hey, here the church crowd, man, ought to not just be, hey, the color of their skin. Hey, the first thing that you notice ought to not be that they've got a different, you know, <laughs> accent than you do, right? The first thing that you see, you know, and, and realize ought to not be, right, that uh, rival sports team that they're wearing, you know, their, their attire or sports shirt that they're wearing. And I'm preaching to myself, by the way. Brother Lou, man, hey, you and your family coming in with those Philadelphia Eagles stuff, man. I had to pray, make sure I got right before before I made a judgment call. It ought not be, hey, you know, it ought to not be any of that. Hey, it ought to be, this is my brother, this is my sister in Christ. That's how it ought to be. Even though you may not know him, hey, this is my brother in Christ, this is my sister in Christ. Hey, because it's hey that, that viewpoint that leads us, man, hey, to be motivated to serve them, to fellowship with them, to do life with them. <clears throat> the way that you view people, man, ought to lead to and the way that you treat them, minister to them. Galatians 3, 27 and 28 says it like this. For as many of you as were baptized into Christ have put on Christ. Man, those who've been saved, man, we've put him on. And then verse 28, man, in Christ there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is neither male or nor female. For you are all one in Christ Jesus. Now hear me. Hey, there, there's beauty right in, man, our diversity, even here in, in the crowd. There's beauty right in the uniqueness right of each and every individual that's in here. But the reality is, man, we've got to understand that at the end of the day, hey, we are family, brothers and sisters in Christ. And that ought to be the first thing that we see. And the way that we view that person will lead to how we choose to minister and serve with them, but also serve them where they are. Man, I'm thankful 
thankful for diversity within the body. I'm thankful that we can be united, even though even in this room, we got folks from all over the country, all over the world. Uh, Man, we can still be united in Christ, man, and walk in him together, serve him together. That's what Paul talks about here. We don't view folks according to the flesh anymore. We view them the way Christ views us. Man, we got to have a Christ centered view of people. And then thirdly and lastly, hey, what what is it? uh, uh, The third motivating factor for ministry, right, is this. It says it in verse 17, we are a new creation. Third motivating factor is understanding that we are new in Christ. We have been changed when we came to know him. We are different now. Our affections are different when we came to know Christ. Man, you know, our desires are different. We are changed. And because we met him. Reminds me of that old movie. Some of you that are, you know, around my age, you probably remember watching it when you were kids. That old movie, Like Mike. That's two MJ references, man, in one sermon. Uh, But, you know, Like Mike, you know, the the movie, remember Lil Bow Wow? Uh, Morris Chestnut, you know, little Bow Wow was an orphan in his little town there and he finds these shoes, right, puts the shoes on and all of a sudden, man, he's, you know, got NBA, uh, uh, you know, uh, qualities playing in the NBA, man, wrecking shop in the league, you know, it's pretty, a pretty touching movie at the end of the movie, you know, Morris Chestnut's character who's an NBA player ends up, you know, adopting little Bow Wow's character, pretty touching, eye jerker really, you know, tear jerker I should say, you know, it's a good movie. But, you know, I think about that, man. Hey, it it was all in the shoes, right? He put those shoes on and, man, he was different. He was changed. But it was a temporary change. Hey, in Christ, right, you know, whenever we come to know him, man, it's a permanent change. Man, we've been changed from the inside out. We're different. Changed. And the call for us, man, is to live a life of service accordingly, man. We forever have been changed when we came to Christ, and that ought to be a motivating factor uh, for us. A couple of uh, um, just truths about the reality of us being a new creation and what that looks like based on what we see Paul talk about here. I want to uh, expound on this just briefly here uh, real quick. Verses 18 through 21 uh, about what, uh, man, this changed life looks uh, like. Uh, some truths about this change. Number one is this. Hey, it's, it's the truth. Man, Christ has saved us. We're changed because of Christ. We're not changed because, man, we decided to get our, our, our character, uh, uh, our, us acting uh, better or, or get our character right. No, no, we're changed because of Christ. When we came to uh, know him, man, we have been saved and we're changed in him. When we surrender to him, we are Say, this is the gospel. This is the gospel. And Paul here, right, shares, uh, you know, some uh, 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 soteriology here, right, the, the study of, of our salvation. Uh, and so I want to highlight just a couple of terms that you may not know that, that Paul talks about here, right, in this discourse uh, here about Christ saving us. First and foremost, he talks about, right, the theological um, uh, term of regeneration, theological thought of regeneration. Right, he shares here, man, that if anyone's in Christ, he's a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. That regeneration just simply means, hey, you know, uh, interchange. 
Like I just mentioned, we've been changed from the inside out. Right. When we came to Christ, man, hey, he gave us a new heart, had a heart of stone, man, and he turned it into a heart of flesh. We are changed. We're changed. For somebody hey, to say that they're a follower of Christ and they have not, man, experienced regeneration, they're not saved. Not saved. We've got to be regenerated. Brother Monty, hey, we, we don't need reformation. We need regeneration. We don't need reform. We need to be reborn. And that comes right through us surrendering our heart and life to Christ. So listen here, person in here, right, who's been coming to church a little while trying to get your life right, trying to make sure you have a better life. Hey, listen, you can't reform yourself enough to make yourself right with God. You have got to surrender right to what Christ did on the cross. And when you do that, man, surrender him, right, accept him as Lord and Savior, man, he changes you. From the inside out. Regeneration. Uh, secondly here. Right. Uh, we see uh, uh, reconciliation talked about. Look what it says in verse 18. It says all this is from God who through Christ reconciled us to himself and therefore gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Right. Reconciliation. You may know of the term. Right. Hey, just bringing back together. Reality is we were created to live in relationship with God. But that was severed because of our sin. Well, God made a way for us to be brought back together into a relationship with him. And that is through Christ. And so when we ca- when we came to faith in Christ, man, we were brought back into a relation with him. Romans five talks about it. it says at one time we were enemies of God, enemies of him. You know, you can be an enemy. of God. You could uh, uh, be a, a faithful attender of a church and still be an enemy of God. We were enemies of him before we came to Christ. But the Bible says when we surrendered our heart and life to Christ, man, hey, we have become friends. Not just friends, by the way, either. Family. Become family. Man, we are part of the family of God. Reconciliation. Uh, The next truth about salvation that he talks about here is, man, the, the theological concept of justification. We've been made right with God. Look at it says, verse 19, that is Christ is recon- Christ God was reconciling the world to himself. Hey, not counting their trespasses against them. Justification, a legal term, right? That speaks to, man, us being ruled innocent because someone paid our sin debt in full. Paid our sin debt in full, man. God, as the just judge, right, man, hey, we were, man, the ruling was that we were guilty. Sentenced to life separated from him, man. But, hey, Jesus stepped in and said, you know what? I'll take the punishment for him. And now, hey, we've been acquitted. Amen. Not, guilty. Not guilty. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. You know, I've watched a lot of, uh, uh, you know, law shows, Brother Tiny. You know, I at one point in time, you know, for went into ministry, wanted to, you know, pursue a law degree, go to law school, man, that stuff fascinates me. Watched a lot of law shows and, you know, seen a lot of scenes where the judge, right, will rule somebody guilty or not guilty, will, will acquit them, you know, of their crimes because, you know, evidence, you know, isn't there. But one thing I've never seen in any of those shows or in real life, uh, you know, or if it's happened, it's very rare that it happens, is that a judge after ruling, right, uh, that a person that's the defendant ruling them being not guilty, ruling them man being acquitted of the crimes. The judge then inviting them over for lunch or dinner afterwards. Never seen that. Well, can I go ahead and tell you? 
my, 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 hey, the God that we serve, hey, not only, man, did he, man, declare us not guilty in him, but that reconciliation part, man, hey, he's invited us now to become part of his family. He's taken that next step. He didn't just rule us not guilty and let us go and do our own thing. He said, no, no, hey, you can come and be a part of the family now. You can come and be a part of the royal family. Hey, you are now mine in him. Man, praise be to God for that. And then the last theological concept that we see here is in verse 21, right? Uh, uh, pertaining to salvation, right? The theological concept, theological thought known as imputation. Verse 21, for our sake he made him to be sin who knew no sin, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Imputation just simply means this, right? We... Man, now uh, in Christ, man, his righteousness, man, has been credited to our account. It's a financial term in the original language. Man, we were, hey, we were broke, destitute, man, without Christ. But, man, when we came to know him, man, hey, his righteousness, man, has been placed on our account. Nothing we could do to earn it. We could work all day long to try and earn it. Man, hey, nothing we can do to earn that. But, man, it's been given to us through Christ's sacrifice. Man, Christ has saved us. Hallelujah. He saved us, right? And, man, because he saved us, we're a new creation. But not only that, right? Not only the first truth, Christ has saved us, but the second truth, I just mentioned it earlier, but I'll go ahead and mention it again, right? Not only has Christ saved us, right? But because he saved us, he sent us out. We've been sent out. We see Paul here, man, share uh, uh, this reality in uh, these verses that we just looked at, right, of uh, the, because we have been reconciled back to God, right, we've been given now this ministry of reconciliation. Because we've been reconciled to God, man, our life's purpose ought to be, man, to live a life uh, compelling folks. Hey, man, be reconciled to God. This God that I met, this God, man, that saved me. This God that, man, I now know. Man, hey, he wants to know you too. Hey, so, man, come and be reconciled to God. As I shared earlier, right, we've been given a message and a ministry, right? The message is this gospel message that I shared. You don't have to have a Ph.D. in theology to share this gospel message. All you got to do, or all you've got to know and understand is what, man, Christ did for you. That, 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 that's all you that's all you need to know. You ain't got to have a Ph.D., right, or, or an MDiv, or, man, go to some, hey, big theological school. You just got to be like the psalmist that said, hey, come and listen, man, for to what God has done, man, for mine. So, man, the call for us is to share this message of the gospel, man, with those that are lost around us. Man, who are those people in your life man, that you know need the Lord? And ask the Lord to open up a door for you to be able to share, man, that good news with them. We've been given a message, but also we've been given a ministry. Right? All of us in here, like I mentioned earlier, are called. Man, what's your ministry? Man, where's your calling? I know in a context like this, because of where we are, man, we got, I've said it, you know, many a time, man, I said it last week, but we've got military families, man, only here for a short time. Well, with the short time that you have, man, the Lord, man, is been calling for you to get plugged in and to serve here. 
I know some of you, hey, you're, you're coming from, you know, a, a background that, that you know, um, uh, where you have no church context. Didn't grow up going to church. Man, this whole church thing is new to you. You think, man, what can I give to the Lord? Man, what, what, what do I have, man, that the Lord wants in terms of service to him? Well, hey, we, we'd love to help you out with that. First and foremost, man, what, what are your gifts and, and your passions? What's the Lord gifted you in, man? And we'd love to get you plugged in in an area of service here. But not only here, man, but, but, but outside these walls as well. This isn't just a message that's self-serving for the church. No, no, it, man, the call is to get plugged in and serve, man, where the Lord may be leading you to serve. But the call for us is to start somewhere, man. We've been given a ministry. And you don't have to be called a vocational ministry, man, to be a part of that ministry. And so the call is to answer the call to live sent for him. First Corinthians fifteen fifty eight says it like this. Therefore, my beloved brothers, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that the Lord, knowing that in the Lord, your labor is not in vain. And then Romans 1 16, right? Uh, very familiar verse talking about man, this message. Paul says, hey, for I am not ashamed of the gospel. Hey, the same dude that was persecuting people for sharing this gospel is now is making is now making this declarative statement. Hey, I am not ashamed and of this gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. Man, the call and response this morning, right, is man to get plugged in somewhere. Get plugged in somewhere. So we get ready to close. You know, just want to share right? just a practical way to, to, to take that first step in jumping into serving the Lord. You say, Pastor Irv, I don't know all the in and outs yet, but I know I need to get plugged in somewhere. I've been coming for a little while, just kind of, you know, existing here. Man, the Lord's wanting me to take that next step for as long as I have here. Well, We've got some of these serve cards that are out on the table, just on the other side of this wall here, that man, you and your family can fill out. It's got some options, you know, that you may be interested in serving-wise. Man, encourage you to take man one of those cards, fill it out real quick, and put it in one of our tithe boxes before you leave today. Man, and we'll get in touch with you. And that'll begin, man, that first step. You getting rolling involved. Also, man, another way we, we've got Discover Hope happening after our 11:15 service today. Free lunch, man. Free child care be provided. Man, you know you're needing to, man, get involved and invested here in the life of Tyler Town, man. We'd love for you to come. That's a time where we, man, talk about the ins and outs of the church, what we're about here, ways to get involved, plugged in, and so we'd love to have you, man. But the response today, man, is to get plugged in because, man, of the love of Christ. How can we not? Because the love that Christ showed for us, how can we not? Man, let's choose to answer, man, these motivators for ministry.